Well, listen, we just sang, Jesus Christ, my living hope. And before we sang that song, I said it, and I'll say it again, because I don't think we should ever get tired of saying it or get tired of hearing it, that it's all about Jesus here at this church. It's about Jesus. Um, as we continue to move forward as a church and renovations and permits and advertisements and social media invites and things like that, may we always remember that it's about Jesus. Uh, Cape the Mid-Cape doesn't need Donald Savini. They need Jesus Christ. You know, at the bottom of it all, these people all around us in the surrounding communities, they don't really, they don't need Coastline Baptist Church. They need Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate need. Coastline Baptist Church as an entity, as, as, a, as a building, as, listen, we can't, we can maybe help, but we can't change the heart. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He is the answer. He is our hope. He is truth incarnate. That's Jesus Christ. He is your rescue. Those of you who feel trapped this morning, those, we have our messages that we record and put them on our website. Maybe someone's going to be listening to this later on. Those listening on our website, he is your rescue. He is the source of my joy. He brings true happiness. He is the access to real peace. In fact, Jesus is peace. He is peace. He is what I need when I know that I need him. When I get to the end of my rope, he's what I need. And when I don't know that I need him, he's still what I need. Jesus is everything. He's the only thing I'll ever need. He is everything I'll ever need. He is the forgiveness of my past, the grace for my present, and the hope for my future. That's Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. He's the bearer of my burden. He, he, he said, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the helper of my heart. He's the lover of my soul. He's the friend that will never leave. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. That is Jesus Christ. A father that will never fail. A savior that my soul needs. A light in my darkness. The strength in my weakness and how weak I am. He's the strength in my weakness. He heals my hurts. He calms my anxiety, my fears. He brings peace. He speaks conviction to my heart. He calls me to greater things. This is who Jesus is, church. He speaks painful truth to the lies in my heart. When I think I know who I am, when I think I have some righteousness about me, I'm reminded by the, by the painful, gracious truth of Jesus Christ that I'm nothing without him. He tells me who I really am and who I can be. He brings what we're talking about today, new life. Jesus brings new life. He brings new beginnings. He brings second chances and third chances. He is the ultimate picture of grace. And what better way to take our next step as a church, as we're getting ready to take these next steps, and, and not, not just as a church, but as individual believers here today, what better way to take this next step than by rejoicing over the new life that is found in Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 11. The verses will be on the screen as well. John chapter 11, a chapter in the Gospel of John that talks a lot about new life. And it says in John chapter 11, the first verse, we'll read it on the screen. 
John 11 and verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. So this isn't good off the bat. First verse of the chapter, here's Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. Uh, Mary and Martha knew Jesus well. They were followers of Jesus. And here's Lazarus, this man, the brother of Mary and Martha, who is sick. He's sick. And he's not doing good. There's a problem. And the sisters, we see them in the, the next few verses that we'll read, they had an idea. And look what it says in the verses here. It says, in verse 2, It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 3, Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And we see right there, Jesus loved this man, Lazarus. He was, like, he was a friend. He was someone that he was close to. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not, nigh, is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So the sisters had a plan. They had an idea as their brother was sick and, and not doing good at all. And they said, man, something needs to happen. Jesus had already performed many miracles and healed the sick and given uh, sight to the blind and, and helped the lame walk again. Jesus had already performed all these miracles throughout the surrounding cities and, and throughout that, that, that Middle Eastern part of the world. And people knew about him. His fame had spread across uh, the county. People knew who Jesus was and knew what he could do, especially his close followers like the disciples, like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So their idea was find Jesus, get Jesus. He's going to fix this. He's going to fix our problem. So they sent for him. Hey, the guy that you love, your friend is sick. But Jesus waits to go. Look what it says. He had said in verse 4, he's not going to die. The sickness isn't the death, but it's going to give God glory. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he. And after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. They're thinking he's meaning that he's actually asleep, but Jesus knew that Lazarus had died. Verse number 13. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Verse 14. Then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. That's just crazy. Like, if you could just put yourself in this story right now. Jesus knew Lazarus was sick. The word had gotten to him that Lazarus was sick. Jesus waited in the same place for two days. He didn't go, he didn't rush there to try to heal him. And then Jesus says to his disciples, Lazarus is just sleeping. He sleepeth, and I'm going to go and wake him up. And his disciples were like, oh, good. Well, if he's sleeping, that means he must be feeling better. Things are good. And Jesus didn't mean that. Jesus meant that he was dead. And then Jesus just kind of matter-of-factly says, Lazarus is dead. And he goes on to say this. Verse 15, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. 
Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad I wasn't there to save him. It kind of sounds a little heartless if you're not, if you don't, if you're remembering, if you forget who's actually saying the word. Jesus could heal. Jesus could bring back to life. But that was a pretty uncommon experience. Jesus had only done that a handful of times in his whole ministry, giving uh, a life to someone who had died. And, and Thomas, Thomas, always the charmer, the doubter, look what he says at the end here in verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas was such a pessimist. He was the doubter. But by the way, we are all Thomas so often as well. We, do, we doubt as well. But Jesus said, listen, I'm glad he died. I'm glad I wasn't there just to, to keep him from dying because something's going to happen. God, Jesus was getting ready to do something big. Verse 17, he says this. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now, if you're thinking, you know, this is not a regular grave six feet below the ground, but this is like a tomb where they put the stone in front of it. So the body was in there. Lazarus, his friend, Mary and Martha's brother, the one he loved, had been dead for four days. 18. Now Bethany was nigh in Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brothers. So many came to, to give you know, uh, comfort and, and to try to encourage them. And yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. Verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. So it's, it's amazing to see here in Martha's heart, there is some, I wouldn't call it anger, but just some sadness, obviously, grief. She said, man, if you had just been here, we sent for you. He wouldn't have died. But then she finished it by saying, but whatever you want to do, I know God will give it to you. So there is some faith there as well. He finally gets there and Martha says that. If you'd only been there, my brother wouldn't be alive. And maybe church, maybe you've been there before. I know I have. I've been there. God, how could you let this happen? God, uh, where are you in this situation in my life? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? God, I've been faithful to you. God, I've been at church. God, I've been reading my Bible. God, I've been praying. I've been nice to people and treated people with love and, and tried to help others. And, and I've done all the right things. God, why are you letting this happen to me? God, if you had just been here, this wouldn't have happened. We question God. And the little thing, I remember when I walked through that back door uh, several weeks back and that ceiling was pouring out water, I was thinking, God, why could you let this happen? <laughs> we just put the carpet down. And I've gone to the big things in life. I, th I think of things with our son Seth and his autism. And, and there have been dark days of that, harder days, cha more challenging days when I've said, Lord, why? Why? Why him? Why us? You know what you've called me to do. This, this really can make it more challenging sometimes. God, why? What are you doing? Because we don't see the whole picture that God is painting, we just want to throw out the whole canvas. We're just like, I don't, even, I don't want anything to do with this. Take this out of here. We don't even see what God is trying to do. And by the way, asking God why isn't wrong. It's not wrong to ask God why. The Bible never says we shouldn't ask God why, but demanding a reason why is. 
demanding God, you better tell me. That's, that's sin, but asking God why, that's not wrong. We, oftentimes we, we see the problem in our lives, but we don't see the plan that God has for that. We see the moment of pain, and we experience that moment of pain in our lives, but we, we, we fail to see the miracle that's coming soon after. We, we see the heartaches that, that's there, and we feel the heartache there of that trial, of that struggle, of that problem, but, but we, we don't see the heart change that's coming. Every one of us, if we have depended on God at any point of our lives through a trial, we, we, we can stand and say, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, it was challenging. Yeah, it hurt. But man, God taught me so much through it. God taught me so much. God, in grace, molded me and is, and is continuing to mold me into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And Martha here is speaking from a broken heart when she says these things. If you had just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Speaking from a broken heart, and Jesus is gracious to her. Look what He says in verse 23. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And she's thinking, well, yeah, I know that, you know, one day all of that are dead are going to rise again when, when you know, the must, all these different things. And she was, she was talking about later on him going to heaven. And Jesus said, no, 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 look what he says. Jesus said, no, 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 I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus speaks hope to her because she, she's still not hearing. Jesus said, he's going to rise again. He meant there and then. And she said, well, I know one day he will. Yeah, you know, when, he, when all, you know, risen to heaven with God. And, and he's like, no, no, I'm the resurrection. He speaks hope to her in regards to her problem, to her issue, her struggle. And when she doesn't get it, when she says, oh, yeah, and doesn't understand what he's trying to say, he tells her that not only can he give life, but that he is life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I can bring you back to life because I am life. And, and, and he speaks the same things to us. He says, I can fix your marriage because I'm the sure foundation for a marriage. I can help you with your insecurities because I can be your identity. That's what Jesus is speaking to us. Whatever problem there is, whatever issue there is, I can tear down walls of bitterness that reside in your heart because I am love. That's who Jesus is. He's the resurrection. He is the life. He is the ultimate restorer of broken things. Death to life is what he does. That's what Jesus does. Verse 32, we go on with the story here. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, the shortest verse in all the Bible, verse 35, we, it's easy to, it's the first verse ever memorized, actually. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. I've heard many different things about this verse. People try to, you know, say this and that, and this is why he wept, and he wept because they didn't believe, and things like that. And as I've grown older, and as I, you know, and I'm not that old, I'm 31, but as I've gotten older in, in my faith, and and God has begun to teach me things about myself and who I really am. I, I, I believe that Jesus 
didn't weep because they didn't believe him. I believe that Jesus wept because he says weep with those who weep, doesn't he? The Bible commands us to weep with those who weep. Jesus, it says, he loved Lazarus. Jesus wept. Because even though Jesus knew that in just moments, Lazarus was going to rise again by the power of God, and even though Jesus knew that the end of the story wasn't written for Lazarus and they'd be eating dinner together not long after, even though Jesus knew what was going to happen and he knew what he could do, he still wept because there was a sadness and a sorrow there because death is sad and it is hard. And Jesus wept here. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind and have, ca have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave. And a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister. Uh, uh, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. We read on. And, and, and it's a good point for Martha to make. Hey, he's been in the grave for four days. That's a long time. He probably stinks. You know, What's done is done. Let's just mourn together. And Jesus says, no, roll that stone away. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. What an amazing story here. What an incredible occurrence, a miraculous event, a literal dead man, Lazarus, dead for four days, is brought back to life through the power of God, through the words of Jesus, Lazarus, come forth. And this guy wiles out with all of his grave clothes on and the napkin over his face, hey, loose him, let him go, and Lazarus lives again. The same power that breathed life into the dust of the ground at creation and created Adam breathes new life into Lazarus, and Lazarus is back to life. The carpenter's son from Nazareth, Jesus Christ, who used to build furniture probably with his dad and build with his father of earth, Joseph, comes to the tomb four days after a man has died, weeps over the loss, has them roll away the stone and calls out his name. And this dead guy, Lazarus, comes back to life, walks out of the tomb, wrapped in clothes, wakes up from the sleep of death, hearing in his ears, sight in his eyes, probably wondering what's going on. He had died, probably like, what is happening? This feels really weird. What's going on? Stuff around his head. And, and, and think about this. A few days earlier, Lazarus probably remembered dying. 
going into the sleep of death. He remembers taking that last breath, more than likely surrounded by his sisters and his family and his friends. And they probably had already said their goodbyes. The funeral's probably over or they've been planning it. And, and he's alive again. He's, he's swinging his legs over the edge of that stone that he was laying on. His, he, he stumbles out into the light and, and people are unwrapping and he's alive. That's amazing. That actually happened. What excitement, what joy. What were tears of sorrow moments before are probably now tears of joy. Cries of happiness, shouts of, of laughter. He's alive, he's here. Jesus raised him from the dead. What a miracle. And through this story in the Gospel of John, it's clear to see that Jesus brings new life because he is life. He's the resurrection and the life. That's what he was trying to teach them. Lazarus, come forth. And because of this story, church, and it's not just a story that we made up, it's a, it's a real story, it happened, it's an actual occurrence. Thinking of the new life that Jesus brought to Lazarus and that, that he, he, he brought throughout the Gospels that we see in his, in his life here on earth. Where are, where are you at today as a believer, as someone who knows Jesus, and, and, and many of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Have you grown accustomed to just going through the motions of life, of the Christian life? You come to church. Yeah, you're saved. You know Jesus. He's your Savior. He's your Lord. Man, you've believed upon Him. You've asked Him to be your personal Savior. And listen, man, you're saved, and you remember the day you got saved, but you're nowhere near Abundant life that Jesus said we could have through him. What you need is new life. You need new life. Your walk with God might be struggling, might be weak. Listen, the truth of the matter is, and I've said it many times, I'm not into the whole checklist Christianity that says if, if I do A, B, and C, then life will be great and nothing will ever happen to me. That's not That's not biblical. You can read your Bible every day of the year and still have trials and still have heartache and still have sorrow. Okay, I'm not, that, that, that doesn't fix every problem, but it changes us. You don't read your Bible, you don't pray. We can pray and pray and pray for something, can't we? And still God chooses to answer it a different way. That doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pray. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have a time in your day where you talk to God. The, the problem is, church, we've gotten so used to our lives as Christians. We've gotten so used to, to our definition of the Christian life. We've gotten so accustomed to just going through the motions. I go to church, and, and I sit in the chair, and I stand, and I sing. and I may even lift a hand sometimes in worship. But we've gotten so used to just going through the motions. We are not living with new life or abundant life in Jesus Christ. We don't share the gospel in any aspect. We, we don't. We, we live carelessly. We live apathetically. We kind of just do what we do and we just, you know, you're kind of between the prodigal son and the elder brother in that story of the prodigal son. You, you, you know, you, you're here, but your heart isn't. The older brother, man, he stayed and did all the right things, but his heart was wrong. The prodigal went way off. Some of us are right in between that. Sundays are our church days. The rest of the week we do whatever we want. We don't even really think about the Lord. The truth is, for many of us, we've been saved for a long time. 
But we've grown so unaware of the presence of God that we, we live without His guiding hand. We live without dependence upon Him. We've been saved for so long. We've just gotten so used to it. We've gotten so used to just knowing we have a home in heaven, knowing our eternity is secure in Jesus, and that's kind of where we just stopped at. We don't really want anything else to change in us. We're okay with our little pet sins, and our, we're okay with, with keeping our personality the same way and, and, and not really looking for change in our hearts. And the truth is, even as believers, and in this life, problems still abide. The heartache still resides for some of you in your hearts. You may try to ignore it. You may try to brush it aside. You may try to just stay busy. But loneliness still haunts you. And insecurity still reigns in your heart. And stress still shows up. Hey, you're a Christian. You're saved. You're in church every week. But impatience is still around. Still flares up in you. Temptation still knocks at your door. Bitterness still binds some of you. Unforgiveness is still a part of some of your hearts. Anxiety is still hanging on to your heart. Fear is still looming in your mind. Even though you've been saved a long time, you need new life. What I'm trying to say is this, church. How long, how long you believed in Jesus doesn't change you. Only Jesus changes you. Here's what I mean. that's, that's a tough statement. I want you to try to really grasp it this morning. How long you believed in Jesus doesn't change you. Only Jesus changes you. I've sat at the bedside and I've sat in the living room of, of people that have been saved for 40, 50, 60 years that still have bitterness reigning in their heart. I've sat next to to, to people that, that have been saved for, for decades and unforgiveness still reigns and anxiety still cripples them. Because, listen, how long you believed in Jesus doesn't change you. Listen, I believed in Jesus since I was a little boy and I feel like in the last two years God has just turned me upside down in my head and changed my life because I finally started to realize who I really was. That I am weak. That I, am a, that I am broken, that only Jesus can put me back together. Jesus is the one who brings new life into a dying marriage. Jesus is the one who gives grace to the worried heart and to the worried parent. Jesus is the one who gives hope to the discouraged pastor. Jesus is the one who gives wisdom to the brand new church. Jesus is the one who gives peace to the anxious soul. Jesus is the one who gives guidance to the wandering heart. Jesus is the one with all the answers and the answer across the board is his name, Jesus Christ. You give me any issue and I'm telling you the answer is Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He is working in us. Philippians 1 says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What Christ started in us at salvation, he is continually working on us, chipping away all those busted ends on us. 1 Corinthians says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He, is, he wants to bring new life to you. He wants to bring hope to your soul. 
He brings new hope. He brings second chances. He brings real change in church. No matter where you're at in life, we must look to him. We must look to Jesus. Jesus is working in us. Hasn't he worked out our building situation? Jesus, the power of God has done that. I believe that the prayers of his people, he's working. He's going to give us people. He's already given us people. He's going to give us wisdom. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to give our church life. And he's beginning. He already has given our church life. And he's going to give us even more. But it's about him. And Jesus wants to speak new life into your life. And you've been saying, but I'm saved already. I'm not, listen, I understand that. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about change. Are you looking for change? Or are you satisfied with how you are? The truth is we should never be satisfied with how we are. We should never get to a point when we feel like we have arrived. I don't need to change anything else in me. I'm all set. I'm good. Because grace will not complete its work until we stand before Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to speak new life into your life. And you need him more than you could ever realize. John 12 after the story of Lazarus, Lazarus dies, he's sick, he dies, he's raised again. There's rejoicing. John sees fit, the, the, the author of the Gospel of John sees fit to show us in the next chapter that Lazarus, yes, he was alive. The first verse of chapter 12, the next chapter, the very next verse after John 11. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us that later on he, he has dinner with Lazarus. Lazarus is alive. Jesus is new life. In church, it's going to take you and it's going to take me admitting lifelessness in our Christian life. I don't like doing it. It doesn't feel good. I don't like to admit that my walk with God struggles. I don't like to admit that I could do a better job with my prayer life. I don't like to admit that I'm not as strong of, of a gospel witness as God is calling me to be oftentimes. But church, that's the first step in any change is admitting that there's a problem. Admitting lifelessness. And with that admission, hey, you know what, God? Man, I am missing out. I'm not walking with you. I'm not, I'm not in my Bible. I'm not in prayer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not witnessing. I'm not showing the gospel and, 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 and who I am and what I do and the things I talk about. Listen, I'm not doing those things, Lord. I'm admitting lifelessness in my life. And with that admission, we look to Jesus. We don't say, okay, now I better do all these different things. I better get my checklist up. No, no, no. In those moments of admission, Lord, I'm not enough. Lord, I can't do it on my own. It's looking to him for change. Lord, I need your grace in my life. God, I need your help in this. Lord, I'm going to start reading, but I need you to speak to my heart. I don't want to just make this a habitual thing that doesn't mean anything. Lord, I want it to be real. I want real change in my life. And I'm telling you, church, today is a new day. There's new grace. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. There are new opportunities. And church, I'm telling you, in the next six months, if you can decide, if you can decide this morning, man, I need some help. I need new life in, in my Christian life. I, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe if you died today, you don't know what would happen at all. 
Well, he said on the resurrection and the life, Jesus, uh, God made a way through his son Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead uh, for us to, to, to have hope, to have our eternity secure in Jesus Christ. But if you are saved, listen, if you can decide today, I'm going to admit that, man, I'm lacking in so many areas. I've been dependent upon myself and not Christ. If you can admit that six months from now, what testimonies will you have? of the grace of God changing your life? Will you allow Jesus to speak new life into your heart? Will you allow Jesus Christ to speak new life into your family, into your walk with God, into your ministry that you may have at this church, into, into our church? Man, we need, we need him. Let's make today, let's make every day, every moment about him, church. He's worthy. He is worthy. He wants to change your life. He wants to... Man, he wants to use your life. He wants to, to, to bless your life. There are people in your life that I'll never meet. God wants to use you to reach them, to help them, to love on them. We must, we must depend upon him. Without him, we're nothing. Without him, we are nothing. We have nothing to offer. But with Jesus, man, I'm telling you, because he's enough, Man, we can walk through this broken world. As bro we can walk through this fallen world as broken people because of who Jesus is. And may we never forget that truth. May we never get tired of hearing about the glorious grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We need you this morning. God, help us to be willing to admit lifelessness in our Christian life. Help us to be willing to admit flaws and faults. Help us to be willing to admit, Lord, weaknesses in our lives. You never called us to act like everything's okay. You never called us to act like we got it all together, Lord. The Bible is full of stories of people just like us, God. Broken people. Would you help us to depend upon you? Would you help us to rest in you?